Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm here with Terry, and we're gonna talk about healing from abortion and how that is this remarkable opportunity for people to go from being burdened and, and, and hurt through spiritual, essentially a spiritual attack in order to find healing to then be restored and then on their journey towards uh, servant leadership. So, Terry, I'm really excited that you're here. Um, would you please introduce yourself as if you were speaking to a group of executive directors of pregnancy clinics? Well, I'm Terry Baxter, and I am the director of H3 Helpline, and H3 stands for Help, Hope, and Healing, because we connect with those who have already had an abortion and are wanting to recover and get be restored after their abortion. So we're a national helpline, and we like to connect them anywhere in the United States. If they call in hurting and um, just want help anywhere, we're not going to turn them away. Awesome. So, so how did you get started with this helpline? What's the, the backstory, or um, what, what uh, motivated you along this journey? Or so, can you just sort of tell us how, that, how, how, you've, how you arrived at running this helpline? I started um, 20-something years ago as a pregnancy center director. Um, I was the founder. I was young, naive, and I was a director in Denver, Colorado for 10 years. And as a director, I thought I was just going to be doing pregnancy tests, passing out diapers, sharing Jesus. But what I found out was I was my main ministry became the women that came to volunteer. And oh. they had hurts and pains that they had not surrendered. So my heart started getting heavy. Um, here they're telling the young mothers to trust Jesus. He's got your future. He's going to take care of you. But they had not trusted him with their past. And that started breaking my heart because I have abortion in my past and I knew what God had done in the healing and restored me and I knew he wanted to do that. And these women from the church and these women from wherever to volunteer, um, they needed to use their voice. God wanted them. We say and somewhat teased, but it's true. We're trying to get the women from out from under the pews of the church mm. and restored so their voice is loud and they can start telling their stories to stop abortion and tell the truth about the harm abortion has done. What is, um, what is preventing the women from, from being able to tell those stories or what are you helping them get past? Like what is that hurdle is it is it shame? Is it is it what what is the uh, the piece that is in the way? That it, that is um, shame. Shame. Um, okay. It's shame from the church, but it's amazing, um, Jacob. We're getting calls from women coming out of Planned Parenthood the day they have an abortion, the week after they have an abortion. They're coming sooner, and they even though they're the pro-choice generation, when they talk to us, they don't have anybody to talk to. They're instinctly shamed that they've done something wrong. They can't quite connect it. They're grieving, and it's a big and then regret, shame, and regret. Yeah. So, so essentially, you're providing them. Fr so healing from 
from their the hurt of abortion, the, the pain okay. of abortion, that um, the emotional pain. We don't do any medical, of course, but we help them with the emotional because they don't even understand they need to grieve their loss or what they've even lost. So we help them when they call on our line. We help them understand loss and that they need to grieve and get those emotions out. And they've started their first step of healing. And the second step is connecting them to resources, whether it's retreats or Bible studies or Zoom. Now that we've had COVID, we can do Zoom. Um, So there's so many avenues that we can do to help Hmm. them through healing. And we turn no one away. So going back to what you said about helping people, was it coming from out of the pews in mm-hmm. order to find, was it, you say, did you say healing or what did you say? From yeah, the, it's healing. Okay. You know, it's still a long um, journey for the women who have had abortions 10, 20 years ago. They're still sitting there wanting to wear their masks that were fine this Sunday and the churches still it's a long battle are not making it easy uh, to come out and tell your story it's still a shameful place even in the church so I know that the Princey Clinic movement has there's always been sort of like this friction because of politics or because Mm -hmm. of culture when it comes to having a a life-minded pro-life stance against abortion in the church and some churches. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's an ongoing um, piece, but it's, it, it seems as if the doorway might be healing from abortion. Like that seems mm-hmm. to be the doorway that doesn't have all of the conflict that some of these other politically charged doorways might have in that church setting. Like that might be a really good place for a church to start is to invite and promote healing from abortion or sexual abuse and, and encouraging people to shed light on these dark spaces in order to find healing and providing a non-judgmental uh, space. What, what are the holdups, or I guess? Like, what does the church need to do in order to get to that spot? The church needs to speak it from the pulpit. Okay. I ask pastors, you know, especially during January, Sanctity of Life, it's all about stopping abortion. And I just ask if the pastor will, if they're going to preach on stopping abortion, don't forget to preach on the grace of restoration for those that are sitting in the pew that have had an abortion. Because we know one in four, even in the church, have had an abortion. And so um, that's the first step. If the pastor's... Just preach the truth that abortion's wrong, but then on the backside show the grace of the Lord because it's the grace, it's not the shame, but it's the grace of God that's going to yeah. get them healed and their voices to be able to share their story. Hmm. Yeah, and I know pastors, you know, know many stories that they don't share publicly, and that's right. probably one of the things that they're struggling with is if I preach on this. This one person's going to be, right. in, you know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of hurt and shame that they're dealing with, and it's going to be really mm-hmm. hard for them. And I, and I sort of feel like, yeah, the the healing from abortion is a really good place to start, and then, and that will sort of free the space to be able to then go into, you know, p- posturing against abortion. And I was blessed to be in a church that called out um, and showed grace that. They had, that's where I surrendered my abortion was in a church service and he had the pastor had opened it up for testimony and a girl across the room because um, I was sitting there pretty proud saying 
you know, I was maturing as a Christian and my family was good. I'd seen my kids baptized. And then a girl stood up and said, I want to ask the church for the sin, forgiveness for the sin of abortion. And I sitting there thinking, oh, no, we got to go there. Nobody knew about it but my husband. And so I'm sitting there in the church just like a lot of women, hoping nobody can see me move the wrong way. And the Spirit started, Lord, start convicting me. It's time. Aww. It's time to. And so I went forward and got prayer. And um, the girl that prayed with me said, this pastor, want, you need to tell the pastor this story. And I said, no. And he did that exact same thing. He said, I can think of one woman in the congregation. If you could help her, would you tell your story? And, of course, I said no first, you know, because nobody really knew. And here in the big church, I'm telling my story for the first time. But I said, okay, and, and I didn't get to tell my story right then. They came back that night, and basically what I did was I knew I'd been forgiven years ago for my abortion, but what I wanted to do publicly was to lay it at the cross because everybody has a skeleton in their closet. And so I wanted, mine was abortion, and I wanted to lay it at the cross, and if God could use it, I wanted to surrender it and let him use it for his glory. And that was two years later when the pregnancy center started, and that started my real journey. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it started with, yeah, that's just a, that's an amazing beginning. Um, I don't recommend that for everybody to stand in front of the church to give their testimony. Okay. But that was mine. God called me out, and it was a pastor that showed grace. And, you know, of course, they prayed over me and blessed me, and, and it gave me the encouragement and the strength to go forward. Yeah, there is such good power the power of prayer when it comes to a group of you know um my, one of my favorite verses uh james i think it's james 5 6 or 16 it's the verse that says uh confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed uh and the prayers of a righteous man availeth much right and, and i think in, in your case the prayers of your your church yeah. body availeth mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And I believe that is, and it's right there, is next to healing. <laughs> and 20-something years later, I'm still in ministry. Yes. Yeah. And that speaks, that's, that's a whole different set of impressiveness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, too. <laughs> so, so tell me about your heart today and where you see God's heart today in in the space of healing from abortion, how would you describe God's heart and your heart? Well, my life first now is um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, where God comforted me through my trouble so I could comfort others with his comfort through their trouble. And so that's what really got what keeps me going because I know God's power. I know his comfort. I know his healing and he's called us to be missionaries and to go forward with our testimonies. And so if I've experienced it, now I can share it with others and tell them about his power and his comfort and his restoration. So that's wow. it, how and it's in There's a mission mind. field, not even outside the church. I mean, obviously there's a mission right. field outside the church as well and overseas, but mm-hmm. how much more is there a mission field just within our own community? And just with our neighbors and our family right. and, and ourselves, like right. the mission field is so close. <laughs> and I've always considered, it took me a little bit to understand, um, because you do think about mission trips, going to Mexico, going here. And then all of a sudden, God showed me one day, you're the local missionary. You're the home missionary. Yeah. And so keep going forward. Yeah. 
the church I'm going to now, we have a slogan, um, healing the city one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that we often will, it, it shows up in conversation is, um, how are you being the one person providing yeah. and providing the invitation for someone to find healing mm-hmm. and healing is it, it covered you know just you know emotional healing mm-hmm. uh, healing from um, you know uh, a parent abusing a child right. and then you know 30 years later that's still ringing in that person's mm-hmm. ears mm-hmm. or there's just a wide range of abuse and mm-hmm. healing that people need uh, healing you know healing from a variety of right. abuses right um so tell me a story about where you have seen God's fingerprints or seen God working in these... How many years have you been doing this again? You said... Tw- uh, well, over 20 in the... Over uh, 20. Um, pro-life ministry from so, pregnancy center to phone coaches. So tell So if you, if you think of a story where you've seen you know, God, God working, I'm sure you have lots of stories, but just well, pick my, one. Well, my favorite one <laughs> happened a, a few years ago. Okay. And that one... Um, I had, I was on the phone um, answering the calls, and I don't remember, but behind the scenes, the other phone coaches and the director at the time was talking about this new girl coming to our ministry and how she was excited and she was going to go through the recovery retreat, and they just kept talking about this girl. I just kept hearing her name over and over, and so finally... um, a couple of months later, I had the opportunity to sit down just like this, and I just said, um, Susie, that's not a real name. I said, tell me your story. And she said, well, I called the helpline, and I, they prayed with me, and they got me restoration. And I said, well, do you remember the phone coach that you talked to? And she said, well, it was you, Terry. You saved my life. She said, I pray for you by name every day. And, of course, oh. that, I thought, <laughs> that's why I keep going, just one person at a time, like you said. But it was so powerful. And, of course, we're still friends to this day, and we still pray for each other. And oh, wow. um, it was, she she reminded me how I prayed. She said, you prayed the sweetest prayer. Of course, I don't remember. That was God speaking <laughs> through me. And she sent us an email, and I had to go look all this stuff up because I was just focused on helping her. Find an, I didn't care what her name was, but God let me go that full circle moment to, see, to meet her and know a name that said, you saved my life. Wow. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's, it's so encouraging. I mean... And how many years? So, at the point you talked to her, it was many. It years was of, months. Oh, months. Month. Okay. It was probably about six to nine months okay. before the full circle, because she okay. immediately went to a healing retreat, oh, and then some other things happened in between before I met her. Yeah. Yeah, and so and you know Sylvia, right? Sylvia, Sylvia Blakely. Sylvia, yes, I do. And, and she. Um, I just recently learned about her new ministry that's only a year and a month old. Yes. Um, where she's helping people who are very excited or um, very interested in going, you know, going through, after they've gone through the healing process, right. they're interested in going further to essentially become servant leaders, mm-hmm. it seems like, mm-hmm. in that direction. Right. And so I just feel like, you know, with, with, with her ministry, it pairs up perfectly with your ministry and 
and essentially it's like like sisters. You know, you're well, handing it's like a handoff to you know with this subset of people who are continuing on. We've had some calls from different ladies who have gone through some healing programs, whether it was a retreat, and they just needed another step. And I have referred to Sylvia. Okay. And what the helpline looks for. Our dream is to have abortion recovery ministries, not just in the pregnancy center because they're so busy, but to actually have ministry, independent ministries where they can do what Sylvia's doing. Um, since we're in, in Missouri today, um, what If Not For Grace is doing, they take them through a Bible study, then they do a weekend retreat, and then they have a next step to disciple them and help them mm. decide where they want to serve. And that's what Sylvia does with Arise Daughters. She's mentoring women who have already been through the healing, but don't know where to connect and maybe just need another little nudge or another little yeah. something. And so that would, that's a dream is to have more full circle and that feels like that's a what Sylvia is doing could also be a, uh, a a church ministry. Yes. When it comes to sort of um, helping the woman who's gone through healing yes. and then continuing on through discipleship, yes. and I feel like not all churches provide excellent discipleship, and it'd be really beautiful if they did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's an opportunity there for for this special. Um, a special niche type right. of discipleship it being is. done to help someone continue mm-hmm. on healing and helping them essentially grow towards being prepared and empowered to be a servant leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's partly, you know, partly why the pro-life movement is doing so well is that we are encouraging people to grow up, grow into tr- servant leadership and yes. providing these avenues. And there's still a lot of room for us to do more there. But I think I feel like that's why we have mm-hmm. grown as a movement and as a group. And we need to continue that, um, you know, providing spaces for people yes. to grow. Yes. Um, when you said surrendered my abortion, um, can you tell me more about that phrase? Like, why would you use that word of surrender with that? And because like, what's the benefit there? The benefit is... Um, Nobody's asked me that, but that's a good one. Let me okay. let me get that thought together. Because it feels like surrendering, that you know that verb of surrendering it. I'm imagining like you're at the cross of Christ yeah. at, at His feet, yeah. or maybe not yeah. at the. Maybe you're just simply at the feet of Jesus, right? And you're giving it to His feet in a way that He will then take it from you, right. almost as like if you had like this big backpack full of bricks, right? Well, I knew I was forgiven. Yeah. And he's not going to take anything. I'll, you know, he gives his as gifts. If we okay. ask him for it, he'll give it. But the surrendering it was Maybe, an you, act of obedience okay. to release that so abortion. So are you instead of keep it, Because I was still yeah. had it as a secret. Even though I knew okay. I was forgiven, I still clung to it as a secret. Okay. I never talked about it, and that's what so many women do. So I was taking it out of the closet to yeah. surrender okay. into the open and the light where God could heal it totally. And and that's what's happening. Women intellectually may know they, they're forgiven by God, but they don't experience it because they want to cling on to it. And okay. we need to let that abortion go and give it to God to heal it because forgiveness and surrender and obedience are you know go together but they're still different he can forgive us and then we never do anything with it 
But if we surrender, even our, if we surrender our lives, you know, as Lord and Savior, we surrender our life to Him be Lord over us because He's not going to do it unless we ask Him. So the same thing with the abortion is I was surrendering Him to use it, like you just said, any way He wanted to for His glory. And um, so I was giving it back to Him. So he, And it, it was a healing when, moment. When you did that surrendering of your abortion... Did it? What did it feel like? Like what was for me? Um, as soon as I said that, and in the church, the pastor said, "Ladies, come pray over her." Well, I immediately felt the physical heaviness lift. I did not know it was that heavy on me because yeah. I had suppressed it so long and pushed it down so long, and so I knew I was immediately healed. And as a pregnancy center director, that's then I learned about abortion recovery programs. And then I learned there was abortion recovery retreats. And so I would go through them. And there'd be little things that I'd check off and say, yes, I've made it this far in my healing. And then I'd get to a chapter and I'd think, oh, man, i got to work on this. This isn't healed yet. You know, that type of thing. So, um, but it was a physical healing. Yeah, it, it, sort, of, it sort of sounded like a weight being lifted. Yeah, it was. And I wasn't quite sure how to, I mean, I, I felt like that was coming a little bit when it comes to like, like you were weighed down by your abortion yeah. mm-hmm. by keeping it inside mm-hmm. and then by giving it to Jesus' feet, it's probably as right. if you, you know, it's like taking off a, a heavy, yeah, a heavy, a heavy stack of burdens. <laughs> right, it is. And that's a good picture yeah. because we're laying them, we're just taking that backpack and laying it down. Exactly. Um, so how do pregnancy clinics connect with H3? How do you interface, um, or how do, how do some clinics interface, and how do, like, what are the different options? There's two different ways that we connect with the pregnancy centers. You know, they are so busy with ultrasounds and going medical and, and um, again, going back to the one in four women walking through their doors have had an abortion. Their volunteers, their clients, and so we want to be make it easy for them to have our number. That if they don't have time or have a recovery program in their pregnancy center, we can find it for them. So that's the first way we can work with the pregnancy centers. The second way is they're we're finding they're putting our cards in their ultrasound room. So if an abortion-minded woman comes in and has her ultrasound and she's still abortion-minded. They can say, call this number because we're 24-7, and all of our phone coaches have gone through abortion and abortion healing. So when that woman has Ah, questions, we can answer the truth about how harmful emotionally it is, how long it lasts, you know, and we go through their three options with them and then send them back to the pregnancy center. So that's two different ways that we work hand-in-hand with pregnancy centers. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. And when it comes to... Clinics. I mean, obviously, you're a national hotline. Yes. And so, whether they're in Florida or California, yes. Texas, Missouri, um, does it make any difference where they are since you're 24 hours? It does not make any difference. Okay. Um, a story. You like the stories. Yeah. Before Zoom, uh, there was Skype, and yes. so um, <laughs> I answered a call, and there's a lady from Germany called us. She was American, oh. but she was from German, living in Germany. And I could tell, and of course I didn't know what to do, uh, who was recovery over there, but I could tell she was really wanting something and she wanted to go through a healing process. And so we did Skype 
one-on-one uh, -on -one okay. Skype programs, and I walked her through Forgiven and Set Free via Skype for eight weeks, her in Germany and me so and So normally, them. would you refer someone to a local? Uh, normally, I would. Okay. But the but point is, we would not turn anybody away. But We're if someone's in a, a, an area where there isn't one local, right. they could actually still do it? Through remotely? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And now with Zoom, we really can do it. Oh, yeah. That's been amazing. Yeah. So um, that that is one of the best things that's happened for us is Zoom. Because I feel bad for the ones that are in, you know, Alaska where there's no pregnancy centers or no recovery yeah, programs. Yeah, when, so when they're super rural. <laughs> remote. Remote, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, they just need to have internet access so they yeah. connect with a group. Yeah. Is, is uh, your group, how, how small or how big are the uh, healing groups? They, um, I think, well, the, because they're independent, you know, they're run independently, they're probably three to eight. Okay. Um, I know on the retreats, about eight um, is the max that they'll take on the Rachel's Vineyard retreats. That's one of, that we'll refer to. And then on the... Um, Zoom calls of the weekly, about an eight-week program. Um, they'll, I don't know if they have a max on that, but six to eight is ideal. So when it comes to your team that's answering the phone and running these, um, these um, re retreats, maybe even virtual retreats, mm -hmm. are, they, are they volunteers or are they staff? Our phone coaches are volunteers. Okay. We don't actually run any retreats ourselves. We, we refer to them. But because our phone coaches have the, um, like one of my phone coaches is a pregnancy center director. So they have the heart to, to carry that phone and answer and help the women, whether okay. it's to their pregnancy center or somewhere across the country. But what if it's a virtual the, option, like for them to get healing, the virtual retreat or the virtual... So, restate that question. So, then. what if it's, um, instead of being in person, what if they're doing it the through, through Zoom? Yeah. Then do you have some of, your, some, of the, some of the volunteers in your team do those? They can. I've got one or two that do it. Or do you just work because, with, okay. But I work with others. Yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, we just moved to Texas, and the church asked if I wanted to start up. A recovery program and oh, I said wow. no I didn't because okay. there's a Rachel's Vineyard right next door oh, that's sense. doing great you know and I could just push Refer. them over there uh-huh yeah I just wanted sense. to introduce our helpline that it's available and get it involved in the church yeah, and then that church could then support Rachel's right. Vineyard right which would make perfect sense yeah um, so. so what do you what is if a, if a clinic let's say a clinic's in a um, relative, like, well, let's say they have a, you know, they're in an area where there's only 7,000 people, and it, mm -hmm. they don't get a lot of clients coming in, but yet their volunteers are are there looking to help, you know, maybe mm -hmm. two to eight clients in a given day, but they have lots of downtime. Yeah. Would that be someone who might be a good candidate to volunteer and answer the phone for the helpline? Yeah, we're always looking for volunteers. And, of course, the top um, requirement... I hate to say is that they have abortion healed story. Okay. All of our phone coaches have had, have had an abortion and gone through a healing process before they can. Okay. But that would, if they wanted to be involved, but yet their town wasn't large enough to do a retreat or a program. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a phone yeah. coaches. Well, because some, some groups, you know, some groups have a lot of traffic and they're yeah. fully they're fully booked from the morning, the very moment they get to work yeah. at that clinic to the time they go. They just have, you know, some clinics have 80, you know, 40 right. plus 
client visits in a day. Right. But then some groups have just a few, and mm -hmm. there's lots of downtime. And then yeah. what would be really exciting for groups that don't get a lot of traffic is for them to be able to help more people over the phone. Right. Which then helps it helps a few ways. One mm -hmm. gives them experience. Uh -huh. It also helps allows them to help women across the country going beyond just their their local community. Um, and so essentially, it, it would help you know the community across the country as right. well as helping them get better at having conversations because mm -hmm. now they're having more conversations. Right, and that's exactly right. And and then we're able to help them as a small center because they don't have enough uh, volunteers maybe to put together a group so we can help them find and even in their local area as they reach out and maybe help us as phone coaches. Yeah, and it, it feels like the smaller communities are actually really good at helping the whole country, whereas yeah. communities like in Los Angeles, you know, clinics are very, very busy sometimes, mm -hmm. and they don't have the mm -hmm. bandwidth to help to essentially go beyond their community because there's so many, you know, client, right. client visits. Right. Or in Florida, I mean, there's mm -hmm. some clinics in Florida that are just really busy. Right. <laughs> but in smaller areas, mm -hmm. sometimes they feel like that's a negative, but really it could be a positive that they have some free time to help with this na these, that, a national helpline yeah. situation because they actually could you know, sort of you help can the be, country. Yes, you can be anywhere as long as you have a smartphone and email and answer our phones. That's the cool thing is I can be here and I'm working and I can check on our volunteers to see if they have anything going. And um, so it's a great ministry being virtual, but we're national being able to help people all over. Oh, that is, that is so awesome. Well, I, I feel like you are, you're helping our country heal. And it, it seems like that is, yeah, you're essentially helping, helping people heal one person at a mm -hmm. time. or, or One phone call at a time, we say. Yeah, yeah. So that is, that's amazing. So I, I am... I'm just thrilled to be able to talk to you and well, hear these stories. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> that we've got some hard ones, Jacob. You know, with the chemical abortion, and um, they're calling us sooner as they walk out of Planned Parenthood, and they're hurting. Oh, yeah. The, you know, we've got some trials, too, and some tribulations, because um, they'll call us, and they'll say, I'm here. And after taking the pills, they'll say, this wasn't a clot of blood. This was a baby. And so we oh. answer phone calls like that. And and then we heard of somebody that actually put the baby in a freezer after having the chemical abortion because she couldn't bear to part with it. Yeah. So the trauma that's coming out of these chemical abortions is real. And we need, you know, working with the pregnancy centers on how do we minister to these women? How do we reach them before they take those pills? And um, this is a new trend that's just growing and growing. Yeah, because when yeah, since they're trying to the with the the pill based abortion or the yeah the yeah the drug based abortion, they're they're having to process it usually by themselves, yeah. probably in the bathroom at their ha their home, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. without without any yeah support. There, right, right, and so the traumas it, more and harder because they become the abortionist and their bathroom becomes the abortion clinic and yeah. they're all there, there by themselves and so when they call they are crying in tears hurting yeah and nobody prepares them and then there's and it, well it's not a not a heavy trend here in america but outside of america sometimes people take the second pill as the only pill which yeah. the, the first pill out of the two pill regiment 
kills the baby while the second pill expels the baby yes, or baby's coming. Yes, yes. And, and, it's, and when someone takes that second pill only, I feel like they're, you know, they might end up having a live birth, a premature mm-hmm. live birth by yeah. themselves in their bathroom. They could. And, and you know, and, and just, uh, yeah, so they may, they may end up doing, it's just, it's just hard, hard, to, hard to fathom right. that situation right. and what they might, and what's going on there. Right. And we've got to be prepared. That's what we're trying to do is be prepared to minister to them and the trauma that they're going through. And we may be changing, we may be shifting a little bit with the, the trend because we're used to ministering to women five years out, ten years out, and now they're coming so quickly. Yeah. That's interesting. That yeah, that's true. So essentially, it sounds like if they were coming after five, you know ten plus years, yeah. there was probably a void where this wasn't being mm-hmm. offered, you mm-hmm. know, back then. And right. And and now that it's more prevalent and people are able with to, the you know, internet and people yeah. go to the internet to find yeah. how do I you know how do I help get help from yeah. this pain that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. I'm not sure what the, sure the thing about that. But that it's, is it's, our it's challenge. A that's a challenge that's coming down the Internet. I guess the benefit would be that they might be able to avoid repeat abortions. Right. Since they're reaching out more, more quickly mm-hmm. and sooner mm-hmm. than that's the trending. Yeah. And we, we, couldn't, we haven't tracked that yet, but that may be a benefit. Well, there may not be a way to know that either. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. if someone doesn't have the repeat abortion, yeah, exactly, you wouldn't necessarily be able to know that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, you would. It would make sense you logically, wouldn't. at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, would you mind um, closing uh, closing out this podcast with a, a prayer for for clinic directors and and your heart for for them and their ministry when it comes to the abortion healing side of their okay. ministry? Okay. Um, Let's do it. Lord, I just thank you for the privilege to be here. We're among pregnancy centers right now. And Lord, I just pray for the directors and the centers that they will have alertness of the hurting women. Not only are they in a crisis pregnancy, but they're carrying that bag of rocks that Jacob Mm. talked about. Please let them recognize that bag of rocks and help them lay it down and to heal those wounds, heal those hurts, and find the, if they don't have the programs, Lord, help them find the programs, help them find us. We want to make it easier for pregnancy centers, Lord, H3 Helpline, to do one less thing and let us be the professionals on finding help, hope, and healing for the pain of abortion. And Lord, we just thank you that you are the great physician. You walk before us. You're our banner. You walk before the hurting women. Be with the pregnancy center's directors as they try to fight against abortion. Lord, we know that the fight is, we're in the midst of it, Mm. but we can see the end and you're going to do mighty things. And Lord, we just thank you that you answer our prayer. We thank you that you love us. You thank you that you've called us to this ministry and to this movement and that you've seen fit to use us, your vessels, and continue to let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be glorifying to you. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, before we wrap it up, though, I actually have one. So this is all free. You, you provide this, this to clinics yeah. at no charge. Yes. Do right. some clinics donate to help, help they you? They haven't. Um, okay. I think they... Do you guys have your own fundraising? Yeah, we have to fundraise. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, and, and thank you. Yeah, it's just amazing how... 
you're, you're fundraising so you can provide these free services right. for clinics who fundraise to provide right. medical <laughs> services. Right. Like this is like a domino effect yeah. of like working really hard to provide yeah. this other group with something for free. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it, yeah, the pregnancy clinics have been doing this for a while, working really hard to provide high quality medical right. services. And here you are working really hard to provide phone yeah. support and healing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's our heart, is to make it easier for them because they've got such a heavy load, but yet we know the hurting women are going in and out of those doors. Yeah. and. I just want to close this up. So the person next to us in the booth next to us, which is uh, Sarah Bowen, uh -huh. she, she's not here right now. But you know, one of the things that she said when I did a podcast with her was, uh, "Don't, don't." And she got this from someone else. Uh -huh. We don't know mm -hmm. who she got the quote mm -hmm. from, but she doesn't even know. But uh, she said, um, "Don't call it a spiritual attack unless you want to win." Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. or essentially, I feel like you're you're you are engaging in sp spiritual warfare, and mm -hmm. it needs to be. You know, the, the church needs to come alongside you, and, and I feel like you're helping women go from battle-torn to yeah. to being able to put on the armor of to, God situation. Or, yes. You know, going from, yeah, that's, just, that's just our desire. To, yes. you know, trying to find healing, and then the, the church can pick up the gauntlet and take them from healed to putting on, yeah. you know, the helmet and the shield and the boots. That's and our desire and our dream is to do that and yeah. to, to help build up warriors. Yeah, and you're essentially, you're essentially taking them from, yeah, beaten and abused mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to having, finding that, that healing mm -hmm. from that right. really hard situation that they were in. Right. So, wow. Thank you so much for being on well, this thank podcast. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jacob.